Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 our off-the-shelf friends out there tuning in through Blog Talk Radio. Good Saturday morning, May 21st. Next weekend is the Memorial Day, Memorial Day weekend. So this is the pre-Memorial Day weekend, and I hope it's just as gorgeous where you are as it is here in Philadelphia. It had been raining, raining, raining all week, but it is so sunny out there right now, and I appreciate that. For those who are tuning in for the first time, and I want to first pause and thank our many, many loyal listeners who've been with us for seven years Thank you for your support. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate you. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and again, I am coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I cannot thank you enough for your support. And I encourage you to pick up a copy of Long Walk Up today. It is a powerfully moving and inspirational book. It is my latest, my my new new book will be out later this year, Love Pour Over Me. You can get a copy of Long Walk Up today by visiting www.chistelchistell.com. It's also available in ebook and in print. You can also get it at any bookstore and online or offline, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Borders, Walmart. If you don't see it on the bookstore shelves, just ask the clerk. Just say, I'd like to get a copy of Long Walk Up by Denise Turney, and they can order it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And now let us go meet our very special off-the-shelf guest for this beautiful, beautiful day. And our special guest today is T.N. Williams. Miss Williams is a graduate of Grand Valley State University. Her books have made it onto Black Expressions and Black Christian News bestseller list, quite an accomplishment and she is the author of after the feeling something on the inside and peace of me the sequel to which she is currently working on tn williams is online at www.tnwilliams spelled just the way it sounds t-n-w-i-l-l-i-a-m-s tnwilliams.com and as i always tell you the beautiful thing about the Internet Radio, you can go over to her website, again, tnwilliams.com, and check out her website, read her book excerpts while you listen to her respond to the questions I ask her today on Off the Shelf. And welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, is T.N. Williams. Thank you. I'm glad to be here this beautiful morning. So, so happy to have you with us. Now, you are, you said it was sunny there where you are. Are you in a, uh, are you up north? Or are you in the southern part of the country? I what am. Do- I I am in the south. I'm in North Carolina, but, you know, that's still the south. So it's, it's, it's early and it's probably already 80 degrees here. So, yeah, wow. it's pretty warm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting warmer weather down there than we've gotten up here so far. I don't know for the North Carolina, definitely the south. How old were you, Tian, um, when you started writing? And I'm always interested to hear authors' response to this. How old were you when you started writing, and what inspired you to pick up the pen and, and become a writer? Well, you know, the funny thing is um, when I was in middle school, I was I attended a Catholic school, and mm-hmm. I was I kind of feel like I was the outcast. I was the little nerdy one. And I needed an outlet because I just felt so different from everybody else. Um, And and that's when I picked up the pen and I started writing poems. And um, the first poem I wrote 
at that school, and it was about drugs, and it got um, became part of a national campaign. And um, well, the state oh campaign became part of the state the state campaign, and I was like, whoa, you know, I didn't even know that I had that kind of potential. And and my teachers were uh, talking about how great it was, and that's when I knew I must have something, and that was my outlet to share with other people. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What was the title of your poem? Got to ask, since it went on to become as big as it did. Uh, now, it hit a national I, platform. That was, that was so many years ago. I was, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you if I remember the name. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the name of it. I, and the thing is, when you're in the sixth grade, you don't, re- you don't, or sixth, seventh grade, you don't really realize how impactful that will be later on. So, you mm-hmm. know, even though I was getting the attention, I didn't really take it in as in this is me doing something big, you know. So I um, I forgot the name of the poem. In complete honesty, I, I forgot the name of it. And I wish I would have held on to that information. I probably could Google myself um, <laughs> and find out. <laughs> but, you know, at that time, I didn't even really consider it. Okay, okay. When did you sit down to to, – actually, before I talked to you about that, and I I was debating, I was like, should I ask her this or should I not ask her this? We had a guest on named S. Renee, and she was so, so, so good. She does, like, motivational, uh, really how do we get out of those blockages out of the way so you can go on and become what you were uh, uh, created to, to be. And right. she used the, the initial, and I said, what does S stand for? Uh, what does the T in, in Williams, if you don't want to answer, just say, you know, pass. But what is, I was curious, the whole time I'm researching for your interview, I'm thinking, what does her, what does T N stand for? Right. And you just prefer yeah. to just go with the initials. I, you know, I, I, I do prefer the initials, but the, I have no shame in my name. That's the name my mom gave me, and it's Tanika Natasha. Oh, Okay. So, yeah, okay. that's my, my first and middle name. Okay, Be- beautiful names. Thank you for sharing that with us. But the TN, that, that sets you apart. So that's a smart move on, a smart marketing move on your part. That out of yeah. the way, when did you sit down and start writing after the feeling? And what was that process of creating that novel like for you? Well, actually, something on the inside was the debut novel. Um, and mm-hmm. after the feeling was the second novel. And when uh, I started, I was actually still living in Michigan when I started writing something on the inside. And I was at a a job um, where, I don't know if you know about the Michigan economy, but I was working in employment. And the economy was, it was depressing. It was depressing working with a number of individuals who could not find work. And, you know, once again, just like I did when I was in middle school, I needed an outlet. Um, when was this? So, when was this? When was this? Tn? When was this? I'm this thinking of the recession. Two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, when you know okay. it was just beginning. You know, Michigan yeah. got hit before the rest of the country got hit. Okay. So you know, um, I still was living there and trying to help. I've always had a big heart for people, and so mm-hmm. if someone's losing their job and they're in my office and they're crying, I I feel that. I don't. You know, I don't just right. throw a Kleenex and and say, "Well, I'm so sorry to hear that." You know, I really <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> to help. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, and I felt like I really wasn't able to give them what I needed to give. So I, I, I would um, focus on my gift, um, which was, you know, writing and motivation, and I would do um, 
uh, cards for people in my office. I do eulogies for individuals. They say, you know, my grandma's passing away, and I don't know what wow. to quite say, and I'd write something for them. And, mm-hmm. and and it was you know and then it, they would say wow you know and and even wedding invitations I was just doing little side things just to inspire people um, right. that despite the situation whether it's bad or good that you can find something positive out of it um, and mm. so when I started writing something on the inside I think there was a show uh, on ABC or um, with the young young vignette and it was about changing lives and whatnot and they were talking about molestation and okay. um. And, you know, and I'm not going to get, you know, super spiritual or anything like that, but it spoke to my heart because it's something that a lot of people deal with that they don't talk about. Uh, And I feel like I wanted to touch on it without making it about, um, I wanted to touch on it from the mother's standpoint because, you know, I think Uh uh, T.D. Jakes had a movie out there and and there was different stuff out there from that person's experience of that from the, the person that's being molested. And I wanted right. it from a parent standpoint because, you know, nobody really knows how to handle it when it's your child that this is happening to. Yeah. Um and and so that's where the novel came and I, Denise, I will promise you I did not want to finish the novel. I had these arguments mm. with God about, mm, this is taboo. I'm not messing with it <laughs> you know, it's just like and but it just it wouldn't leave me alone, and I've learned since becoming an author that characters speak to you, you know, plots speak to you, and you've got to write it down otherwise yes. they won't leave you alone. Um, and so you know, I told people I'm not schizophrenic, but yes, I do have people talking in my head. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's it's these these characters, this and it's part of people I've met in real life, and I feel like I owe them by telling a story that is not intrusive. That does not make them feel bad. That's not judgmental, but just to give an insight of no matter what you go through, there's a bigger part of you. There's something on the inside of you that's of value no matter what happens. And um, and 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 I want to do that in a fictional um way, not you know. You say something on the story. inside that is of value. Is that what you said? Yes. There's something on yes. the inside of you that's of value. You know, and wow. no matter what happens to you, you got to recognize that. Um. And you got to be able to work through stuff because, you know, um, black people and uh, a lot of people, I don't know if just black people, don't believe in counseling. And that's one of the things that I touch on yes. in the story is, like, if something's wrong and you know you can't conquer it, don't sit here and act like you're all right because that's denial. Um, mm. You're you going you to mess yourself up and mess a bunch of other people up sitting there trying to say, I can conquer, I can handle this when you know you can't. Um, wow. I'm so glad you said that. That is so powerful. And you, you, and I don't know where that comes from. I was speaking to another guest on the show. Something similar to this came up. It wasn't around child molestation, but the the uh, question about why culturally uh, some cultures just don't go outside their family or outside the church to to seek p- p- help from somebody who has. I mean, they have scientific and they have a lot of experience. At what they do, and they could be a Christian as well. They, but they, they're psychologists, and, they, and I think some people are afraid for people to look inside of them because they're afraid of what they, the other person might see, and that's a fear of of us believing that we we are not good people. That's all that fear comes from, and it's not true. Just like you said, there's something of value on the inside, and then I also think culturally. Because of slavery, you didn't even get to go to a physician or anything. You just dealt with whatever was going on, and you just kept going. 
And so I think yeah. that's just gotten passed down through the generations. But I think it's so important that you said that, and I hope somebody tuning in, because uh, many of us, we walk around looking fine, but there's something going on. Uh, your book, Something on the Inside. The, the, the character, please tell us about the main characters in the book. And now you said you deal with it from a mother's perspective. Which one this is it a son or a daughter of the of the parents and is it the, a mother or a father who's dealing with this situation? Uh well with both with both actually something on the inside and Peace of Me, which is the latest novel, are um Peace of Me is the sequel to Something on the Inside. And so in both novels it, the main um the main character is the mother Celia. Um and Celia has a daughter. Uh, she has two children by her husband. And he's a very upstanding, handsome man. All the all the things that you would say stereotypical about a black man that's successful, he is. And so you don't know that he's got this deep dark secret, and that he's been touching his daughter for probably a number of years. Um, oh. And so you know, and so she's like, "This is oh. his own blood. This is his own family." Mm. How can and, and so she finds out by coming into the act. She finds out by stepping into a room with him doing what he ain't got no business doing. Um, and you know, I, I gotta, I gotta ask. Go I'm ahead. sorry, Tian, because I gotta ask you. I always wonder about this. Now I'm not sure how you handle it in the book, but you know, these are like real life experiences for a lot of people. It's not a novel. Mm-hmm. A lot of people' life actually happened. The mother had no clue this was going on. I find that when I hear women say that, I'm like, I don't believe that. They want the mother wanted her marriage to be one way, and we do this as humans. We will shut out every piece of evidence that goes against what we want and just tell ourselves what we want to see is all there, that there is there, even though we know deep down we've got evidence that there's something going on. Well, you know, the she thing is, no this, she was a professional, so she traveled a lot, and she left mm-hmm. him in charge of taking care of the kids because he thought that he was, she never she never imagined that he would. Yeah, she knew he was close. And I've seen people in real life like this where their husbands are very close to their daughters and they think that this is just an amazing relationship. And sometimes mm-hmm. it is. But in this particular case, he had, you know, he had some stuff that he had from his own childhood that rose up in him where he thought this was okay to sleep with his daughter. Um, and mm-hmm. no, she had no she had no idea until after that. And that's what you deal with in uh, something on the inside and on Peace of Me. She deals with that struggle of why didn't I see this? Why didn't I know okay. what's wrong with me? that I didn't acknowledge okay. and I didn't see it, you know, as opposed to covering up and being like, once she figured it out, her first, her instinct was to make sure her kids were okay. And okay. and he was, he's very conniving. And you'll find throughout the book that he's so manipulative because he's handsome, he's successful, he's all these things that we look for in a man, that he manipulates everybody around him um, and has even her family members going against her because he's saying, wow. this ain't really happening, she's something wrong with her. And so, you know, people start believing, yeah, she acting crazy, you know. <laughs> so maybe some, because she, she goes to great lengths to protect her child. So they think, uh, you know, she must be crazy. Wow. She's doing all this stuff, and he acting insane. So, you know, maybe we need to worry about mm. her. And the police get involved, the legal system even goes against her. So she finds wow. that, you know, when you have a, a certain persona or a certain reputation, it don't matter yes. what you're doing behind closed doors. People still mm-hmm. going to go against you. Mm. So, you know, and, and and in Peace of Me, which is the latest novel, um, you know, he's he's um, something happens to him 
you know, and 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 there's all I like for people to be vindicated. So there is vindication for her and for her daughter. But piece of me, there's another child that ends up missing that's linked to him, and she's like, oh lord, you know, this one of child her, is missing. Not 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 oh, this now you get me going. The child who's missing is not one of their children. Obviously, it's another child in the neighborhood or the community. Who's yeah, missing. it's another child in the community. It's another, and she finds out that he linked to a lot of kids in the community, and oh my you know goodness. and. And so it's like, okay, well, what happened to this missing child? And so she's consumed uh, with things that's happened to this other child because she tried to save her own, and her daughter does right. not. Because they, they started counseling, and they stopped because she's like, oh, Lord, we'll provide, and I don't need counseling, I'm good. And then you find that her daughter needed that. And because she stopped uh, it prematurely, her daughter mm-hmm. has some stuff that goes on with her that she don't know how to handle stress, she don't know how to handle nothing. And it's because her mama stopped it. So you see the things going on from the daughter's perspective. You see things from his perspective, even though he, at this point, um, is in prison. And, you know, I hate to, I'm not trying to give away the story, but in peace of me, he's already locked up. And so okay. but from the prison, he's still doing dirty work. So he's still very manipulative. He's still got things going on where you're thinking, how is he getting away with this from prison? Well, you'd be surprised what people can do from prison. You um, know, it's, so, okay. I have so many questions now. You just <laughs> so I'm <many> sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's a good thing. How long were were they married? What's his name? Now you said her name is Cecilia, right? Yep, her name is Cecilia, and some people call it Cecilia according to you know um, uh-huh. what part of the country they come from. And his name is Khalil. The daughter's name is Kalia. Um, and okay. they have an, another. Then then they have a son, Caleb. Um, now, so, how long were they? How long were they married before the mother comes in from work? And when you say she's on the road a lot, is she, like, gone, like, three, four days a week doing business meetings? Yes, uh, and she's then, constantly and then, traveling. So and how that, long how, were they married? They were married for, um, they were married 15 years. Before she found out? Yes. Oh, yeah, my God, the how long was he? The, th- the daughter was 13 when, when she found out. How long was it going home. on? Um, and she doesn't know that. She doesn't know because the daughter didn't want to rap about her father. She didn't want to tell that her, her daddy was doing anything. So she was trying, she was going through this whole guessing game of, okay, I need to find out what really going on. Um, so she really doesn't know how long. Her daughter never talked to her. And you'll see that breakdown where her daughter has loyalty to her husband. And she's trying to figure out how you can be loyal to this man who had touched you. But throughout yeah. both something on the inside and piece of me, you see this daughter who is so hung up on her daddy is right, and she loves her daddy. Her daddy's been the one that's been at home. Her mama been all over the country traveling, but her daddy was the one that was there. So no matter what he might have did, he was still her Superman. And so okay. you see, you see how Khalil, the father, plays into that, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a good daddy. I don't know what you're talking about." So, you well, know, um how how old, it, is, how old is he when this is he in his thirties? Are they in yes. their thirties when I could only imagine when she, so she must have gone to a business meeting and she came home er, earlier than he mm-hmm. expected her to. Do. Yes, oh my she Lord. caught an earlier flight because she called herself going home to, you know, be romantic with her husband. She's gonna surprise <laughs> him, she <laughs> you know. Oh my goodness. And she she walked oh into my some, a hot mess. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, did you? How long was this going on? The uh, uh, and and it, it, isn't it amazing that sometimes the perpetrator, the child, can side with them and want to protect them and take it out on 
the other parent. How long was this going on uh, before the mother discovered it? That is just I, just that she had no clue is uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, she had no clue because you know he took the kids to ballet and to soccer and baseball and he did all of that. So the only time that he ever did anything out of the ordinary was when she was gone in the middle of the night when his son was asleep and did nobody, you know, and it'd be more like, oh, you can't sleep, let me come lay down with you and make sure that you, you know, you can, let me keep the bad, the the boogeyman and everybody away from you. So I'm going to sleep with you and make sure you're okay. So, no, she, she didn't see him. She never saw him naked or, you know, inappropriately dressed or he never saw, she never saw him touch on the daughter or, you know, have anything that would give her a sign that this is what he was doing. And if you, if we be honest with ourselves, people who are really manipulative know how to hide some stuff. So, right. you know, you know, he was cunning enough, even past that, you're like, wow, this man is really on top of his game. And so, you know, it's easy to be deceived. And as women, sometimes we do hide some stuff because if we have all yeah. these things and, uh, all these accomplishments, and people are telling us how fine our husband is and how wonderful he is and how they wish they had a husband like that, and you don't see the bad he's doing. Yeah. You don't look for now, it. You don't look for how it. Did, how did he and Kalia meet? And and did they date a long time? And also, what does he do? He's a successful man, but what does he do for a living? Give us a better image of this guy and how he was able. His, he, he had an image. It's just like when you when you uh I remember when people first the O. J. Simpson thing first broke out. It was like mm-hmm. a shock. It was like you couldn't believe that he would even be considered for it was like the the biggest shock in the world. Because once we have an image and we all do have an image, you don't have to be famous to have an image. But once you have an image we ourselves want to uphold that image because we can believe, get confused, and think we are the image. And other people certainly think we're the image. And it, you're not. And so when you're doing something else, your true self, and somebody finds out, people are like, oh, no, 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 they, that's because they're thinking about your image. Oh, no, they mm-hmm. would never do that. How? What did he do for a living? And he must have had some type of a job that people really admired or respected the job, like a physician or an attorney. People just, they tend to think these are good people just because of the job they're working in. What did he well, do he was for an, a living? Um, he, was an ar- he was an architect. He was an architect okay. that owned his own firm. So he okay. had partners within a firm. Um, so he was big money. He was big money. Um, they lived in Detroit. And, um, you know, he, he was making at least six figures. So he was in high six figures and doing very well, and, and he was also a church leader. And the funny thing, he was, he was the, the leader of the youth group. So he was a youth oh minister. Goodness. So you're talking about a youth minister and a, a, a businessman. So he's an entrepreneur, um, and so he was always active. He was always, he would take the kids to Atlanta to go to, the, you know, to the, um, not Disney World, but the little amusement parks down there. So he was always doing something, always being active in the community. Um, so you would know it wasn't like he was sleeping with her every night. It was just these random things that he was doing. Um, so there was no way to know that. And and it's unfortunate, like I said, that people can live be- behind these personas. But when you have issues and you don't deal with them, especially with him, it's issues stemmed from childhood. And you learn that in Peace to Me, that his, he didn't. he wasn't just a sociopath or something. He got that from someone else in his family. So he carried it on 
and he didn't, and he had a, a business from prison. He had a business centered around his dysfunction. So, you know, wow. why you think he would go to prison, he would learn from all of this, and no, that didn't happen. It was now more, why? Well, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, it, you know, he decided that that's why the girl was missing. The girl was missing because of his business, because he could no longer be an architecture architect from inside of a prison. So he said, okay, well, I'm a businessman. I'm smart. I'll I'll do something else. And I can't tell you have to, you know, um, reason right. have to pick up the book. But he finds another way to make money, and he makes more money doing that than he did when he was in architecture. So, wow. So, we are talking about something on the inside, and you, this is really a hopping book. And the sequel, Peace of Me. Now, in Peace of Me, he's in, he's in the father is in prison, and mm-hmm. uh, the the reader they have no clue in something on the inside. That something on the inside, the story, the mother, you know, she's traveling. The father seems like a very loving, devoted father. He's active in the church. He's a, a youth leader. He's active with the children, and it seemingly just loves and dotes upon. He's got. They've got a son and a daughter, and the daughter mm-hmm. is the one that he is. He's having an incestuous relationship with, right. and then on piece of me, uh, it, so we see him get locked up on something on the inside. On or yes, he, and on piece yes. of me, well, on something on the inside, the reader doesn't know why he's doing what he's doing. They have no. Uh, they don't know his motive, and they could probably just come to detest and hate this man. And I think this is something good in Peace of Me that you did, because uh, we all do what we do for a reason. As insane as some of our behaviors and comments are, we do them for a reason. And in Peace of Me, it sounds like you start to give the reader a glimpse into this man's thinking, how he got mm-hmm. to be the way well, he, he is. Because you know what? We all start off as little innocent, in a little innocent babies just seconds Oh, we can't even hold our heads up. And some of us go on to become murderers. How did we get from that point to where the, the point where we are now? So in Peace of Me, you seem to show the reader, this is how he got from an innocent little baby to what he's doing now. Yes. Yes. And, wow. and you get because with something on the inside, it's just strictly from the mother's perspective. So in something mm-hmm. on the inside, you just get her perspective. From Peace of Me, you get, she has a, a twin sister, so you get the twin sister's perspective on all of this because she hates the husband. She hated her husband, uh, her sister's husband from day one. She never thought he was oh. any good. So, you know, she's one of those sisters that's like, you know, everybody might like him, but I know something wrong with him type. And um, mm-hmm. so you get her sister, and her sister got her own thing and her own issues. So you get the sister's perspective. You get the daughter who was molested. You get all the things that happened to her and how she's dealing with it. And or not dealing with it, rather, you get Talia's um, perspective, and you get his perspective. So you get all four, and you you're like, wow. When you see it from different eyes, it all makes so much sense. Did Did you and, and the, the the young girl? Uh, and I'm sure her brother had to have been impacted if they made him aware. I don't know if they kept it a secret from him. I don't imagine that they could throughout the whole uh, story, but. Does the does the young girl? She's the one I'm. I am personally would have more concern for. Uh, not that I would would dismiss either of the parents, but does mm-hmm. she does she come to a complete healing, or is she still struggling uh, at the end of Peace of Me with what is happening? At the end happened? of Peace of Me, because because of the way things unfold and the things she finds out about her father in Peace of Me, because even during almost all throughout Peace of Me, she's still glorifying her dad. And then something happens in regard to this missing girl, 
And she's like, whoa, my daddy may not be such a good person. And she uh-huh. comes to the realization that daddy has done some really, really awful things. And she does not see him in the same light. And her, her mother gets her back into counseling. Um, and okay. so you see how important all these things matter in order for her to heal. So, yeah, she's not healed by the end of the book because I'm more of a realistic writer, but it shows that she's moving toward being healed. Okay. I, it, I, from your excerpts at your website, and, again, for our off-the-shelf listeners, T.N. Williams is, is online at tnwilliams.com, and I encourage you to go over and check out our website as we continue with uh, with the interview. It sounds to me when I was reading through some of the excerpts that she, the mother, uh, Celia, she seems like she's she is absolutely determined to crush uh, her ex husband. I mean, determined to mm-hmm. is, is is that a, is that an accurate that 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 has now consumed her life? She wants to destroy this man. Is that an accurate uh, assumption? She wants she wants vengeance. She wants well, I think that she wants absolution. She wants vengeance. She wants some repentance. She wants she wants this man. Now, she, it's not just about her wanting him to pay, but it's about making right something that she knows is wrong. And it's hard for her to forgive him. Because she's like, you know, even though, you know, a lot of times people go to church and they're like, the focus is on forgiveness. But when something tragic happens, it's not that mm-hmm. easy to let go of. If you touch my child, I don't know if I can forgive you. You know, and that's her stance. Mm-hmm. Um that you've done some damage, and I'm not letting this go. And she tries to get on with her life, but once she found, got, finds out that that other girl is missing, that that her husband's still doing wrong, she's like, oh, no, you, I'm going to, whatever you do, I'm going to be your shadow. Whatever wrong you got, I'm going to make sure it gets right. So for her, <laughs> it, it's, it's just like, I'm coming after you. If the police don't want to come after you, I will. Um, okay. and, and there's repercussions for that because, she, you know, even though she's coming after him, there's people coming after her, so uh, it's, it's, oh it's my not goodness. an easy fix. I got to tell you, as I was researching for your for your feature interview, I'm, I'm looking through all each each of your stories that you have written. Uh, Piece of me, something on the inside, and uh, after the feeling, which we're going to discuss next. And I'm thinking she seems like a mystery writer. You're, you're doing you're ta- you're tackling some heady issues, particularly in marriages. Uh, and I wanted to ask you why you decided to tackle such heady issues in marriages rather than just let things – I read some, a lot of books where people don't really get down to the heart of what's going on in each of our lives. And I think that's sometimes the reason why people like to hide things in their own lives because there's this image – I keep going back to image uh, of this of these perfect marriages and you just pray your way through and this, that, and the other. And you pull the covers back off of that. And you show what's really going on. So that somebody going through what your characters go through in the book, they can relate to it and maybe themselves not feel so much shame and like they can go and seek help like you have Cecile uh, take her daughter uh, to get help. And I hope the mother also got help herself. But you mm-hmm. seem to have a penchant for mystery. And so when the missing girl piece turns up in Piece of Me, when that uh starts to insert itself in the story. Have you ever thought about writing just a straight mystery? You seem to have a a, a a bit of a pull toward that. I don't know if you recognize it, but in researching your interview, that did come up for me. Yeah, actually, in fact, the fourth book, which is called Quiet's Kept, is more of a mystery. It's, it's not Christian fiction. Um, and this is nothing against the Christian fiction genre, but I just want to make sure I touch on 
subjects and touch on, you know, people's emotions without it being just about what your religion is. Because you can be Buddhist, you can be Muslim. That's not really as 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 important to me as your state of mind as a person and what the things the things that happen. Um, I I read mostly crime novels um, and mysteries and things mm-hmm. where you think it's one way in the beginning and then you find just like life that things are not quite what it looks like. Right. Um, and and I love a story that will catch me and keep me going and keep me guessing. Um, and that's what Quiet Kept is very much one of those stories. Uh, where you're just constantly like, whoa, whoa, oh, wow, you know, and I like that, that, that kind of heart pumping. Um, one of my readers told me she was like, I was about to have a heart attack. I said, well, I'm not trying to kill nobody. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? okay, yeah, like, so much going. I can tell just interviewing you with the the two, the two piece of me and something on the inside. Your first something inside, and then piece of me a sequel to something on the inside for our listeners that we're that we're discussing that you, you that you just keep it moving. You just keep the story. Advancing and, and and moving forward, I can tell that. And just talking about these first two books that you have written, what what TM will readers learn about themselves if they go out and pick up a copy and read Piece of Me? What will they come away and learn about themselves that they might not have known before they read the book? I, I, you know what? I think that with all three books that you learn about judgment, because people are so quick to judge you or judge a situation without knowing the full story, and with every book, it's about how we perceive somebody, whether it's good or bad, and what the reality of that is. Even with after the feeling, which is from a husband and a woman's uh, husband and a wife standpoint, it's about what you may think may be right. Somebody else may not think is right, but for you to mm. tell me that I'm I'm less than, or that I'm not deserving, or that you know, or whatever the case may be, is inappropriate. Um, I, I have a hard issue with people who sit and say, oh, well, yeah, I'm up here and you down there. Because who gives you that right? You know, mm-hmm. um, no matter what the obstacle is, no matter what's going on, who gives you that right to sit back and, and, and dog out or demean what my issue is? You okay. know, so, so that's, I, that's again, it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, even I, with after the feeling, that's, that's the case. And again, I like how you, in piece of me, uh, gave background to the father, what how he got to be the way he is. Because, the, and that's that's why we're not qualified to judge. We don't even know every little subconscious thing that's or conscious that's influencing the decisions that we make. I forget how many different uh, points of influence they said a human being has every second. It's in the millions. It's either in the hundreds of thousands or in the millions, and nobody even remembers all the things impacting them every second. Who can count every hundred thousand things that are influencing them every second? I don't think one person can. And they they influence the decisions that we make. So just to, just to, how could you ever judge even yourself? You don't know what all's gone into making you where you are right now. You don't mm-hmm. even, we ourselves don't even know. So to judge ourselves or somebody else, we just are not qualified to do that. What has reader response been like to Peace of Me? What are, what are readers, when readers read this book, and I can just imagine the emotions, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, what do readers come back and tell you about the book or any particular characters in the story? You know, most people can't stand Khalil, which I can understand that. Um, most people are just like you were in the beginning with Leah. Um, why did you know they're like why 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 how could she not and what's you know and that type of thing, um. But overwhelmingly, 
I have had people say thank you. Thank you for just bringing this to light. Thank you for giving me another way of seeing it. I had one one female tell me that her and her fiancé were going to break up, and she read my book. She read After the Feeling and decided to make it work. And I was like, wow, you know, that's that's some power, you know, and I don't take it lightly at all. Um, But if if I can make you think before you act, if I can um, bring some kind of perspective that, just changes it up a little bit. That's what I, I intend to do. And so, you know, I haven't had, you know, you always get a few people that are, um, one person didn't like the laws of Michigan. We're like, that can be a law because I do my research. I don't just write a book without doing background on mm-hmm. the characters, on the situations, all of that. And they did not like the law that I found, and they wanted to argue with me about the law. And <laughs> it was just like, you know, different states have different laws. And in Michigan, this is the law that persuaded these this, these events to happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so but some people take it very personal, which means that you really got into the story. If you got that mad, yeah. then that you must have felt something within that story. Maybe that person can go out and do something to to, to lobby and change that law. You know, arguing it with you is not going to change it, but maybe they can go out and, 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 and with some attorneys and whatnot and change that law. I'm not sure what, what law you are referring well, well, this- to, but... With, with this particular law and in Michigan, when I was shocked to find that if you are molested, that a parent cannot intervene for you because, you know, wow. I guess uh, in a divorce situation, a lot of parents lie or uh, manipulate and that type of thing and say something's happened when it hasn't. So if a child does not want to pursue something, then the child does not have to. Even if the parent says this and this and this happened, if the child says no or the child doesn't speak, they cannot pursue it. Um, and so... You know, it was a. That kind of makes sense to me, though. That unless yeah. it depends on the child's age. It depends. I think when the child gets ready, because if you force it, you could do a lot more damage to the kid. Because yeah. going to court is, ooh, if people who have been grown people who have been raped say it is, it, it does not go the way you think it goes. Because not only yeah. is your attorney going to be there on your side, you're going to get picked apart. And I mean, literally picked apart by the the opposing attorney. So I can't, that kind of makes sense. I could think that that could protect the child in some ways. I wanted to ask you before we start talking about after the feeling, this interview is going so fast. I have so many other questions I wanted to ask you, and I definitely want to get to after the feeling and your latest book and, and also ask you some other questions. Uh, um, well, did you ever work as a counselor yourself? I'm listening to you during the interview, and I'm thinking, I know you said when you worked at the unemployment office, there uh, and the recession hit Michigan before it hit the rest of the nation. It hit most of the rest of the nation in 2007. You were there in 05 and you were seeing the impact of it on the state of mm-hmm. Michigan that early. And you said you would write, you know, like you, that's how you got started writing, writing wedding invitations, eulogies for people when they would tell you somebody in their family passed and they didn't know what to say. And you just mm-hmm. doing things to help people, going beyond what the uh, requirements of your job were. So did you ever study as a counselor or work as a counselor yourself? Yeah, I, you know, I've been a social worker. In fact, that's my other job I still do um, where I kind of try to intervene. And I, I guess you call it life coach. We have different titles for it. But it's just mm-hmm. trying to intervene and see somebody going through, seeing them struggle and giving them other options. So even now, you know, I still do it. And it can be a little draining because people, when you're used to living a certain type of life, you don't realize there's other options. You don't realize that if you've been a drug addict or if you've been molested or if you've been whatever the case may be, that there are other options. 
You know, I've mm-hmm. had people come to me with such heavy stuff, and they're like, I yeah. don't know. I've had people who have been shot and murdered people that come to me and be like, I need somebody to help me figure this out. Somebody, yeah. I need somebody to care enough to figure it out. And I've had some people that stand up and say, you know what, I don't need you. And I say, yes, you do. Get back down. And it's not out of disrespect. Right. But it's to say, right. if you don't tackle this right now, it's going to keep haunting you for the rest of oh, your yeah. life and your children's life and your grandchildren's yeah. life. So you better deal with this now. Otherwise, you're going to keep impacting everybody else. And I've had people say, are you a minister? And I don't, I'm not, you know, but I do have a minister's heart. Um, yeah, you, and, you and, know, it's like, you, you know what it's like um, if you don't deal with an issue, and we all have issues from our childhood, as great as our, because every human being has something happen to them, our parents, grandparents, great-grands, we can just go all the way down, back down the line. That that happened to them either through our perception, the way we perceived something, or the way some something made us feel, or something that actually happened. There's nobody who did it didn't happen to. So we right. all have things. I think about Erica Badu's song "Bag Lady." We all carrying bags. <laughs> She's just like you know, bag lady. I know you got to be tired of carrying those bags. So yeah. we, we all have things that we have to work through, and it's kind of like a virus when you think about it. When you said you tell people you better deal with this now and you're going to pass it down, it's like a cold virus. If you don't get get rid of it, pretty soon your whole family's going to have a cold. And that's mm-hmm. what happens to us. It just We think we can hide it. I don't know why we do this as humans. I can hide it. I'll just smile. Nobody will know. I won't ever speak about it. We are energetic spiritual beings, and trust me, it is not hit. It is yeah. not hit. It is not hit. People might not know the exact details, but it is not hit. Why did you decide to tackle using pornography to spice up the couple's relationship and after the film? You really take on some heady issues, like I said I earlier. know Why? it because, you know, I fear nothing but God. So it's just like <laughs> if, I see something, if I see something going on, then I feel like, especially because I've, you know, been in the church where I was married and I was married to a minister, an associate pastor, and he had mm-hmm. a hard time dealing with the porn was a serious issue for him. And I saw mm-hmm. that it was not only him, it was quite a few. I went on blogs and I saw all these other women dealing with the same thing where you try to integrate it in your life because you're thinking it's the right mm-hmm. thing to do to keep your marriage. Then, okay, well, this is a part of him, so let me embrace it. And you're like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is going too far. You know, and I, I don't have anything against anybody doing their relationship the way they see fit. But when you see something taking over in yeah. your marriage or in your life, then you gotta you gotta look at it a little bit differently. So you know, for me, that's where it came from from being married and and me and my husband no longer together. But it was that fight of okay, how are we gonna deal with this and and all these emotions of even though it's sex and you're not physically with somebody, I know it's taking your attention from me. Yeah. So um, that's why I, that's why I chose to do it from her perspective and his perspective. I I really appreciate the fact that you're dealing with issues that so many people do, but hide because we're trying mm-hmm. to protect our image. Uh, an, an image is something that's not even real. It's it's a vapor. No. It's like a mirage. It's not even real. And we spend our whole life trying to protect something that never ever existed and never will be real ever. I don't care right. how much effort we put into it. And but we spend our whole life doing that, and then we hide what's really going on. And then, like you said, it just it just infects and spreads and spreads and spreads. How long have Scott and Jamani 
been married when the story opens. Uh, and then, then the fact that she, and I love how you do do that. She and and as women, sometimes we do. What can I do to keep my man? What can I do to keep my husband? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Some women go so far as to have like threesomes, and then later mm-hmm. regret it tremendously. But if they think it'll it'll make me keep, as women, we gotta stop doing that. We like become a slave to a guy. You gotta yeah. you gotta draw a line in the sand. Do you gotta have some boundaries. Where you say, no, I'm not going to do this. And if it means the end of our relationship, then goodbye. I wish you well, but goodbye. How long have they been married uh, When after the feeling opens? They had been married about five years. So, you know, um, they had a three-year-old son, and, and they had, um, you know, it was still that new, more a little more new than um, what it was with Talia and Khalil. But it was, you know, they had settled into their life, and, settled into, and she knew early on in the marriage this was what he did, and so she she had accepted for so long that until they were at that strip club in the beginning of the book, then she was like, wait a minute, we in a strip club, and you, you know, drooling over somebody else? No, we're not going to keep doing this. You know, and so um, that's when they had been married for about five years when she, she was like, no, I'm about fed up with this because it's only going to get worse. So to get worse, yeah. and he has a disrespectful friend. And, you know, a lot of times men have friends that will tell them stuff that they, to blow their head up and be like, man, don't listen to your wife. She don't know she ain't a man. Go ahead and do what you, do you, man, do you. And you can't, when you marry, you can't do you. You This is a partnership. This is a covenant. Mm-hmm. So if we in this together, what, if, what affects me affects you and vice versa. You can't disregard how I feel because it's right. not what you want me to feel. Right, right. Uh, I, I really, again, commend you. After our, our, our Jamani and Scott, uh, for our listeners, the married couple, and after the feeling, are they dealing with their their you know like the wife now saying I don't want to do this anymore, and the man so pulled into it. And one thing I've learned in life, I got to tell you, Tian, nothing stays the same. You either going forward. Right. Or backwards, and you can be tricked into thinking, you know, I got this under control. It's the same whether it's a drug addiction, alcoholism, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's either mm-hmm. advancing or you're stopping. It's one That's of the it. two. It ain't staying the same. Uh, and you'll soon look up, even like gaining weight, and see, oh my God, I gained ten pounds. <laughs> it's not staying the same. It's not staying the same. Are they dealing with these feelings when they discover somebody has been murdered? They deal with the feel. Well, they try to deal with it before them. Before that person is murdered, um, and it's Germany. Germany um, <clears throat> is is already at a, a cross where she's starting to look at her ex. She's looking at her ex boyfriend for comfort because she's like, well, you know, I didn't have to deal with all of this when I was with him. And so instead of, you know, first she tried to talk to her husband and he wasn't really hearing what she said. So she started looking at her ex as the one that can get her out of this mess she feels she's in. Um, but when that person dies, because it's so unexpected, it's like, you see what happens when stuff your house ain't right? Is basically what she said. You see how your house ain't right? And this is the stuff that happens. And for him, he feels his disrespect because the person that dies meant, meant something to him. And they meant something to her, too, but they had more importance to him. So he's like, don't disrespect what's important to me. Um, and, and she's like, well, I don't see how it's important to you. And so you see this battle of, and I hate for people to do this, and I'm not, you know, once again, it's nothing to grant against religion, but I hate how somebody will throw a Bible verse at you and be like, yeah, this, this, and this, and and you're supposed to feel bad and you're going to change your life because somebody threw a Bible verse at you. And it takes more than that. It takes a whole 
changing of your life. It changes up your old mindset. If you throw a Bible verse at me to judge me, that's just going to make me mad. That's not going to make me change. So, um, you know, I, I had to address all of that because she, she was like, well, pulling out her Bible, hitting him in the head. You know, it's just like she's mm-hmm. trying to prove her point. And she's trying to use it in a godly way. She's trying to do it in a godly way, but her approach is all off because he's feeling judged. He's putting, feeling put down. He knows this is not something that he wants. He wants to stop, but he just don't know how. He don't, he don't want okay. to be this involved in it where it's affecting his, he's doing it on his job, he all on the mm. computer, you know, the Internet at work, and you know that'll get you fired. And so, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he he's doing all kind of stuff. And so when that person dies, he's more in grief. He's not worried about his issue. He's in grief, and he want to just kind of just be able to deal with other stuff. And it's the same with a lot of my characters. Sometimes we so busy worried about other people's life that we don't worry about what's going on in our own house. And we think we mm. can deal with our own stuff later, and we're going to ta- tackle everybody else's issue. And you hear people talking about that. You know, such and such doing that and such and such doing that, and I'm going to teach them. And you're trying to work somebody else home, but get your own self together first. Worry okay. about you and other stuff will fall in place. All right. Let me see if we ha- I think we have a, a, a caller who has a question. Uh, okay. Let me see if I can get the caller on. Hello, caller. Do you have a question for the author, T.M. Williams? Hi, Denise. Hi, Tien. Yes. Hey. Uh, I really didn't have a question. I'm going to I have a question, but I'll uh, send you my question in writing because I had already had you on my list of books to uh, inquire, acquire. But okay. uh, I really wanted to feedback off of something that you all just said. Uh, when you were talking about there's a, uh, she walked, she realized she was in a strip club and this had to stop. The unfortunate part of what you just said in today's reality, we have at least two generations of women who don't know what those boundaries are in right. the most part. And they go out, that's why, that, that in my opinion is the reason why you have so many women walking around here saying they're bi, because mm-hmm. they're doing things to please uh, their, the, the, the men in their lives and they get end up getting caught up in things of their own nature. Well, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. Everybody needs to have boundaries. You need yeah. to, mm-hmm. accept, to decide and determine what those boundaries are. And you know what? I've been by myself for 20 years, and I may in lead this world by myself, but I'm not crossing my boundaries for nobody. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm just not. Because in the end, you're not going to be happy. Right. there's mm-hmm. always going to be something else. As long as you let that gamut be pushed, guess what? is going to continue to be pushed. And I just had to say that. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you for tuning in to today's show. But I, you will get an email from me uh, in regard to your book. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you. And, okay, and, and so just to piggyback off of what she said, a lot of times we don't find that we have this internal indicator, especially as women, where we know that this ain't feeling right. But we 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 just count and say, oh well, it's like indigestion. We're not going. <laughs> we just go. We just go take us a um, alpha seltzer and let it, you know, let it slide. But that indicator is telling you it's not okay. That indicator is your common sense. That's your inner person. That's your God. It's whatever you want to call it. But that's telling you this is not acceptable for me and my life. And you know, mm. and once you start accepting a certain thing and saying, okay, it's okay to do this then, yeah, usually somebody will push the boundaries and say, oh, well, she said this is okay. Well, let me see if this is okay and if this is okay. I, 
I agree, and I agree with what the caller said. It is important to have boundaries and not to, right. uh, like and like you were saying, not to, because you're going to start to reshape yourself uh, or let somebody else reshape you, you know, to, to the point where you say, I want this person so much, I'm going to let them completely remold me. And then you'll be a stranger to you'll be a stranger to yourself. You'll be walking around wondering who who is this? <laughs> who is this? Exactly. Looking back at me in the mirror. Would you describe after the feeling? Uh, would you say it's a romance or a murder mystery? It's a little bit of both, you know, because the person that dies, like I said, is kind of. I was shocked when they died. I was shocked when I killed them all. You know, <laughs> it was just like when <laughs> well, it's where you you find that it's more about life struggle. I don't want to call it necessarily just romance, but it is about loving somebody. And sometimes you can love them more than you love yourself. And then when you realize that, it's like, okay, well, I got this battle. Who do I love more? How do I put first what needs to be first? And so you see, yeah, she loves him. And you see that he loves his wife. He loves his wife with a passion. And she loves him. But relationships are bigger than that. And so it's the story is about dealing with real relationships, not what you see on TV, not what Mm-hmm. Playing the music, but what real relationships are about, and conquering real issues. And yeah, a person dies, but people die in real life because of stuff like this, where you have things going on, and your mm-hmm. meter starts going up, where you didn't let down your boundaries, and you didn't let down your guard, and you just compromise, and you find you can't compromise no more, and then you decide to take another life because the compromise mm-hmm. is so great. Wow! Oh my goodness. I was going to ask you if the couple stays together, but I'm going to let the reader discover that when they read yep. the book themselves. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you that. I, I, we we only have like six minutes left, and I have so many other questions I wanted to ask you. This show just flew by. I do want to mention that your books have made black expressions and black Christian news bestseller lists, as, as I stated at the start of the show. So a huge, huge congratulations to you, T.N. Williams. And what did it feel like when you got the news that your books made those bestseller lists? Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, because I'm a very humble person, so I didn't, you know, I didn't brush my shoulders and say, yeah, girl, you did it. You know, I don't think like that. It was more of a, wow, you know, I must be impacting somebody, that this must be my purpose. This must be what I was meant to do. And and I can't, and, and I, you know, for me it's just like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Whatever, mm. whatever's in me that gives somebody a new insight, that makes people want to pick up a book and finish it. I've had all races of all ethnic groups from all nations emailing me, and I'm like, wow, because, you know, as an African-American author, you don't know if you're going to be able to reach those vast audiences. So, you know, mm-hmm. it hasn't even just been black Christian news and black expressions. I've reached audiences that are, you know, all Australian, and I'm like, Wow. You know, for you to write me and tell me that my book touched you. And that's what it's about. You know, I could just be writing some stuff and just putting a book out there. But I want to touch people. I want people to think. When they pick up my book, to be like, okay, I might be doing this wrong. Or maybe I Mm. need to change up me. It's always about me. You know, whenever I write something, it's about what are you going to do about you? Because you can't change Mm. people around you. You can change how you perceive them. You can change whether you want to deal with them at all, but you cannot change people around you. No. no. I, hear so, psycho- I hear a psychology major talking. Uh, author, I can hear I can, You definitely, I can hear the counselor coming through. She's coming through strong, and that's a good thing. And, and, and that in your books, 
that you do that. Again, you talk about subjects that a lot of us would like to keep hidden and that we have a lot of shame around, and you can help people to deal with these things that are going on in their lives. These statistics that we read about uh, murder, incest, theft, whatever, they mm-hmm. these are real-life people. That these This is not some made-up number that somebody just wrote a number on a page. These are real-life people, but we like to keep these things hidden but the statistics show us it's getting it's, it actually is real and it's getting out there. And I think I applaud you again as an author for dealing with these events. You might be able to help somebody head off, you know, where they've got their boundaries down, head off something that could become destructive before it happens, and so they can like take a look and go, "Whoa, let me step back." Mm-hmm. And so uh, again, I commend you on that. I know your books are available at Amazon.com, but let our off-the-shelf listeners know some other places where they can get copies of your books. They can get a copy of my book at Walmart, according to what area they live in. If they live in a, a large metropolitan area, they may be able to get it from Walmart, from Barnes and Noble. Um, you know, I know a lot of borders are closing and and those likes, but from what I understand, any major bookstore. You can pick it up, or, yeah, you can get it from Black Expressions. You can get it from Amazon. You can get it from any online source. So it's, it's, if you if you Google my name at all, you're going to find me in very, very different areas. Wherever you want to pick it up, if you want to pick it up on Kindle, you can do that. Okay, I was going to ask you if it's in ebook. So it is in ebook. It's in print and in ebook format, uh, which is good. We only have two minutes left. Would you briefly, briefly just give our listeners again the title of the new book you're working on and when you expect to have it out on the market? Oh, wow. Well, the new book I'm working on is called Quiet's Kept, and that's more of a murder. It's a um, it's a book about a serial killer, basically. Um, and, you know, me being of psychological mind, it's, it's seeing things from his perspective, her perspective type of thing. Um and I'm still writing it, so I'm not sure when it's going to be done. I can't really say that it's going to be out because it's not even it's still in manuscript form, so it's not even completed. Um, but I do expect that it'll be sometime in 2013. Wait a minute, 2012. This is 2011. 2012 it'll be in print, and I'll make sure that all the readers know when that comes. And once again, it's not Christian fiction, so I don't want any of my readers to be like, oh, I can't believe she said bastard. <laughs> you know what, as a writer, I think as writers, people who have a, 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 they practice a religion in their own life, I wonder if every writer does get concerned and think, oh my God, I don't want these people to think I'm a, you know, when they when they write true life things, things that happen in real life, I wonder if every writer doesn't have that concern. What are some of the social networks that you're on? Where can people find you online at some of the social networks? Well, I'm, I'm definitely on Facebook, so if you want to uh, Facebook me or become one of my friends, I am adding another page to Facebook because I'm pretty much at my 5,000 minimum limit, so I'll be adding another Facebook and, and a like page. Um, my publicist told me to get Twitter, so it's just a matter of making that time to get Twitter um, I'm no longer on MySpace, so I apologize to those who still love MySpace that I'm no longer there. Um, definitely contact me on my website. I respond if you if you ask a question or if you want to uh, contact me. I'm very approachable, so I, I definitely try to reach back if you if you do make that communication. Um, and as I said, you can Google me and you find me in a bunch of different places to read reviews or find out more about me. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, my goodness, I have absolutely loved 
today's show. We have been talking to the one and only T.N. Williams. She is the author of the books, After the Feeling, Something on the Inside, which is her first piece of me, which is a sequel to Something on the Inside. After the Feeling. And she's working on a new book that she expects to have out next year in 2012. So we'll We'll be looking forward to, to hearing about that book. She is online at www.tnwillams.com. You can go over and she is, that, like she said, very approachable. She's been that way, it sounds like, all of her life. That doesn't just have to do with the fact that she's a published author. So you can go visit her, shoot her an email, and she will get back to you. And I have so enjoyed you today, and I'm sure that our listeners have as well. And thank the listener who called in with her comment on the boundaries and which which you will also in, in your own personal life to, to, the, to the caller, the listener who called in with a question or a comment. And thank you to all, everybody who continues to support and tune in to Off the Shelf. Please go out and tell your family, your friends, and your colleagues to listen to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. right here at Black Blog Talk Radio. We've been going strong for seven years, and we are so appreciative and grateful for that. And for each of you, and as I always tell you, please go out and create a marvelously, marvelously good day for yourself. And pick up a copy of Long Walk Up and visit me online at www.chistel.com. Be blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. T and I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now.